Welcome to Fantastic Voyage. I like this music. It's very... It's very soothing. Perhaps too soothing for first thing in the morning. Yeah, it's very Spielberg. <laughs> Gabby, how are you? Matt, how I'm are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I am uh, fully vaccinated. Whoa! That's about all I can hope for these days. Right. Both of you are, actually. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You yeah, so second? two-thirds of this podcast is on oh. <laughs> We're the healthiest <laughs> podcast around. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Here on this end, I'm, I might as well be back in 1917 before anything. I just. Well, the 1917 podcasts tend to be somewhat lower quality in terms of. Very scratchy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The question is, were those records, were those old Edison tubes, were they scratchy at the time or is that just because they're old? Uh, well, actually, this is that might be a decent topic for a podcast someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that in there. Fantastic voyage. Welcome. Um, it's a. This is what we've been doing. Is uh, Gabby uh, is a you are a virologist from Rockefeller University, and Matt. Since we're since we're um, identifying people, Matt, you are a historian of science at New York University, and I am a documentary filmmaker from New York University a long time ago, but now University of the World. And uh, <laughs> School of Hard Knocks. Oh, Williamsburg. <laughs> In Williamsburg, yeah. Uh, and uh, Gabby came on when, when the um, pandemic began, when the lockdown began. Gabby came on and began helping us understand um, the news that was coming out each week with that. And, and I highly uh, recommend you go... All that stuff is still really um, good science, all kinds of good mm-hmm. stuff there. On uh, whattheif.com, you can, you can find all those things, um, all those stories and, and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, and then uh, things have evolved. I, I, by the way, I can't believe it's been one year since the lockdown began. Is that correct? It's coming up on one year. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. I think if I, I wrote it down on my calendar, it was something like March 16th. Yeah. It was like the beginning of like quarantine, which it's crazy that we're we're looping back around to that now. It does not seem like it's been a year. But a lot has changed. Um, the pandemic is on the downswing, amazingly. Let's hope it continues. Um, it is here in the U.S. I hope it is where you are, too, um, where you're listening. And so we've um, um, created a new beast. Uh, it has <laughs> mutated. It has mutated. And uh, we've got this new program called Fantastic Voyage. And we'll just say we're going to jump in. We're going to jump on to the voyage in one moment. But, Gabby, how would you we – we're sort of – we're discovering the show, uh, yeah. what it can be. And uh, I'll just say I discovered you, you have a deep passion for obviously not just science, but also science fiction. Uh, oh, sorry, and, and fantasy as well. And writing, yeah, things so, like that. Yeah. Speculative you know, as a, fiction, as they used to say. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that kind of very much encompasses, you know, my interests. Because as a scientist, one of, I think, my favorite things is also just learning about the weirdest possible science. And fiction, <laughs> fiction definitely invites you to not only uh, think about that, but also create it. Uh, which is what sort of drew me to the concept that we're working with for Fantastic Voyage. Yeah, I love it. In fact, our, our slogan at the What the If uh, Network, 
what the if worldwide network global intergalactic uh yeah thing has been um make science fiction learn science and so and so this is a new way to do that and the differences will be uh i think what on fantastic voyage what we're thinking now is that we're going to focus on world building which is a big part of when you write sci-fi or fantasy world building yeah that may not be a term that people are familiar with gabby can you explain what we mean when we say world building yeah so i mean it's not just the concept of you know physically making the world but the people that go in it the culture in it the science behind it and the way that you know certain phenomenon might fuel um people's interactions with it um so I think people forget a lot that, you know, science definitely textures our reality. The culture and the world, air quotes, that we live in today is very different than, say, in 1918 in the first pandemic. Um, and so thinking about what's available to the people in the world and how they'd react to it is also very much a part of world building and what we want to dive into with all of these crazy hypothetical situations. And so we are now going to go. We're going to go on a fantastic voyage. We're hopping in our our um we still have a good ship called if that's going to transport us to a to a planet that i think may be familiar to a lot of our audience and here we go we're coming through the clouds a city is emerging below us oh this is a big city whoa a lot of traffic. There's a lot of traffic here. Whoa. Uh, the um, uh, computer here, onboard computer, says we have arrived at a planet whose name I can't, uh, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce, and this uh, computer doesn't, it doesn't come with a pronunciation guide. Who wrote this thing? Uh, a computer. Yeah. Coruscant. Coruscant. Gabby, what is what this? I've never seen a city quite so big as this, except Coruscant. I have seen in the movies, uh, in Star Wars. We've arrived in the Star Wars universe, and uh, as a scientist and as a uh, writer, which kind of puts you in. Imagine since we're in a place you might write about, uh, you're kind of an anthropologist. What's the first thing you want to? Uh, understand about this crazy enormous planet-sized city yeah i think one thing that's sort of a fascinating thing to zoom in on because it seems so innocuous given uh what most people know about uh coruscant is you know jedi temples and uh the senate the galactic senate or whatever um yeah let's just set that just... up for people so for yeah for for the for the non the mat is like an unbelievably knowledgeable uh, a scholar of the Star Wars universe, I would say. Well, circa 1983. Right. <laughs> it has evolved a bit since then. Right. So for those who, who aren't quite at that level, um, met them, what would you like to set up? What is what is uh, this place? Uh, so this is the capital of the Galactic Republic, later the Galactic Empire. Um, a uh, single planet whose uh, surface is completely covered with high-rise cityscapes right so it's like midtown manhattan non-stop right? non-stop uh, all so the way around the planet the mm -hmm. entire planet is that right yep that's right there is nothing uh 
Uh, unlike, say, in New York City, or if you walk far enough, you'll get to uh, idyllic places like Flushing or Staten Island, mm, indeed, uh, where yeah. there are some open spaces and you can swing your arms. Um, uh, that's not the case on Coruscant. Don't um, swing your arms in Manhattan. Yeah, that's right. you're, gonna, you're not going to make some friends there. Uh, no matter where you go, there is, uh, there is no escape from the intense urban environment. Yeah, yeah. And um, our computer here says uh, population over one trillion. But Gabby, there's a footnote that says <laughs> a Reddit user... So this, this computer is very sharp. Um, you know, it, it grabs all forms of data. A Reddit user argues that the population could actually be closer to 50 trillion. Yeah, and that's actually, it's a really interesting post, essentially, where someone takes, you know, the populations of uh, Earth cities and kind of extrapolates based on that density. Because if you see a Coruscant, it is completely the same high density everywhere. Um, and they sort of make an estimation that it's much closer to 50 trillion people there if you account for, you know, everyone living in all of those crazy skyscrapers that you see in the in the in the movie. I could say, you know, it makes sense that 49 trillion people wouldn't return their census form. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of work. I could totally see that happening. Um, or, you know, the Empire is fudging the figures or who knows what. Or the Jedi are fudging the figures. Don't forget. There. Yeah, and I, you know, I doubt that many people just commute to Coruscant, you know, that seems yeah, like that a little... Would be, that would be a really crowded subway. <laughs> um, but I should say, so in terms of scale, that's more humans than have ever lived, period. Um, Interesting. Over the scale of human evolution. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, so 50 trillion. Gabby, how does that... Um, since you are a specialist in um, biology... 50 trillion, uh, what, it's sort of like the people are bacteria, on bacteria scale or something like that. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, in terms of like, numbers. Yeah. That's like way more of a like bacteria, microorganism scale number than you would think of for people, especially density wise. Like, right. my God, you mm. must have an insane system for bringing in food and sustenance because, dang, you have to feed 50 trillion people. Yeah, yeah. So, so t take take something from uh, uh, a system maybe you're familiar familiar with that might have fifty trillion uh, organisms in it, and how would that help? What perspective would that give you on on how to understand this planet that we're now flying over? And believe me, I'm trying to dodge. It's the traffic here is terrible. You know, in the movie, you see everyone that's like. Uh, moves along in perfectly straight lines for some reason, right? At all the different levels. It's not like that at all. It's not like that at all. Real life is much more chaotic. Oh, yeah. I've always wondered how you change lanes in that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, well, I, I we've feel seen, like actually, We've seen Anakin and Obi-Wan. Uh, <laughs> very know, badly. Very badly, yes. Uh, I feel like, so actually, the whole like bacterial sort of trying to think about it in that way is really not necessarily all that useful because mm. bacteria sort of intrinsically deal with states where there are a lot of them in a small space uh, where humans are not really used to that. We have a lot more of uh, requirements, I think, than a bacteria would. Um, and I think you can just kind of think of your own regular life and, and try to think about, well, if you sh j like jammed a lot more people into this, it would probably not be great. You know, some people already don't like living with roommates. Imagine you now have 50 trillion. 
in close proximity. It might get a little bit, might get a little bit uh, contentious. Yeah. And they're not doing their dishes. Yeah. Wow. 50 trillion people and only 40 trillion of them are doing their dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Percentage wise, that seems pretty good, but uh, uh, still pretty messy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Matt, I don't know. I'm just curious. Just came to mind. Why are the Jedi? Why do the Jedi have their big temple here on this planet? Seems uh, like they want to be. Presumably because yeah. that's the galactic capital. Uh, Got, it. So, Got it. You know, you want to be where the action is. Yeah, that's true. Oh, see, that's the thing that when I think of monasteries, I think of them wanting to be far away. But um, well, but as I mean, no, it's the Vatican. I, I, I think right. part of the the story of uh, the. The Star Wars uh, movies is that perhaps the Jedi are not as devoted to their monastic values and are more interested in politics and power than they should be, and that does yeah. lead to their eventual downfall. Yeah. Although, yeah. devil's advocate here, considering their entire sort of, I think you mean you Sith know, Sith advocate. Sith advocate here, <laughs> Sith, Sith rights. No, <laughs> you know, considering like you know the whole concept of the Force relies on living creatures i could imagine that yeah, being yeah, on the single most heavily populated uh planet i'm gonna argue single most heavily populated planet in the star wars universe mm -hmm. um it could could be good for you know your your personal devotion because there's there's yeah, a lot of force a energy mm -hmm. yeah i can see that now if if um part of our goal on these voyages is to be able to construct a world um or if it's a world that already, you know, kind of exists in fiction or something, we want to understand its construction or, or fill in some of the gaps um, uh, in terms of how things are organized. So, um, so that it's a real world. That, I mean, that, that's the ultimate goal of good writing, whether it's science fiction, fantasy, or whatever, um, that, that it seems believable. And that, that means that there's a logic, all the different parts of it fit together logically. Um, so what's put a character in this world, Gabby, and and then let's find out what their experience is like. Um like we just, you know, punt some robot out of our ship and okay. just like let him wander <laughs> right. around. I like droids. Like we have our personal 3PO kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fantastic voyage. His name is Asimov now. Um Oh, nice. <laughs> nice one. Nice one. Um uh and so yep. asimov he he uh what does he do so what part of the city would he generally be found in? well i feel like if you've just dropped him on he's maybe on you know surface level we, we've parked Ooh. yeah, yeah. We, we may drop the ship down to surface level because underneath all those towering skyscrapers there is still ground okay well so that's an important consideration actually yeah so at some point you you can get to the ground um, do we have a sense of whether the ground is a place we want to be? Like, is that where the fun is? I've always wondered what it's like. Yeah, ground level. Yeah, because I feel like in Star Wars, you only see like a club on the ground level, like briefly in like yeah. the time you're there. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's regular business sections. You know, where's the, the Mall of America part of uh, <laughs> That's right. the lower floor of Coruscant? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, you know, in all the books and stuff like that, that, that uh, I do know that for those out there who maybe read a lot of the novels or, you know, or on Reddit and some stuff like that. There's a lot of lore here uh, um, out there. But what we're interested in is sort of learning 
by doing these thought experiments, something about um, what real world situations are often like. So for instance, it makes me think that there would be huge sections that are abandoned, right? It seems just makes sense for, you know, you have a giant city. And it not only that, it's possible that there are entire, like it could be abandoned from street level up to 50 stories or something like that. And from 50 to 500 or something, you know, it's all populated, stuff like that. But it could be really, it would be very dark down here. The other thing is it's very noisy. I'm going to guess extremely noisy down here, right? Oh yeah. Uh, so what what is Asimov uh, reporting back? Basically that his uh I, I would imagine that his uh sound sensors are honestly a little fried. We're getting a lot of static from Asimov. That it's like if you've ever maxed out the input on a microphone and you're just getting uh, like one single white noise kind of sound. That's really what we're getting from him right now. He's yeah. completely overwhelmed the poor guy. Uh, and what is the source of the noise, I guess? So people who aren't New Yorkers might not appreciate exactly what it is that uh, generates. Uh, it's not songbirds. Uh, it's not songbirds. <laughs> We're not overwhelmed by larks. Yeah, no, it's it's sort of just the ambient noise of everyone in the city, but because you have so many buildings, it tends to echo. So you're kind of getting a distant hum at the very least, from everywhere. And I don't even necessarily notice it sometimes until, say, I take a recording of my cat for Snapchat or something like that, and then I leave the sound on. There's just this ambient kind of rushing sound from the traffic that's outside. And so uh, okay. it's just, yeah, it's the noise of all of those flying, floating cars, the people in the street. I'm sure there's skyscraper construction at least somewhere. On Coruscant, so that seems likely. Yeah, okay. it's going to be a lot of noise. So my computer is reporting that city noises might be making you sick. This could, this is a headline on the Cor on the Coruscant uh, newspaper today. Uh, urban life, uh, it says the computer says urban life also sustains average background noise levels of sixty decibels. That's normal urban life, like New York which is loud enough to raise one's blood pressure and heart rate and cause stress, loss of concentration, and loss of sleep. Oh. Oh. So, um, fortunately, Asimov doesn't have any of these things. He does not have a uh, blood pressure or a heart rate. <laughs> he doesn't generally lose concentration, and he doesn't need to sleep, but he does have stress in abundance. <laughs> If you yeah. like to say 3PO, he's tremendously stressed out. Stressed all the time. Yeah. And so um, what other aspects of this world do you need to understand, Gabby, to write a world like – so let's say you're going to adapt this, right? So Cor Coruscant, part of Star Wars. Okay. We're going to make another independent world now. So we're taking this idea as we – you know, great artists steal, I think is what – Yeah. Right. Who's, who said that? Steve Jobs. Somebody said that. Um, uh, what else would interest you about this world? If you were writing a story in this world, what, what's the whole aspect that you would like to bring in? Well, yeah. So following specifically the noise pollution, just like kind of taking one thread and running with it as far as right. we possibly can. Um, I feel like there's one of two routes that you could go for how life on Coruscant would have either 
sort of compensated to deal with it or have just sort of plowed through brute force and are dealing with it that way, more like the average New Yorker. Um, so this is, is if like, so let's say we go for the sort of average New Yorker route. Um, I think what would be kind of interesting is, so I was reading a study off of our computer, our, uh, sh- our ship log, uh, basically saying that long-term um, exposure to noise in children, especially a lot of it, can actually cause hearing loss on certain frequencies. Okay. So I would think that among the Star Wars universe, there might be kind of common, like, uh, instead of like, what are you deaf? Like, what are you from Coruscant? Like, uh, you know, you might not good. necessarily be that's good. really good at hearing certain frequencies mm-hmm. if you were essentially desensitized to them all the time. Uh, similarly with hearing loss, um, at least for the human humanoid creatures, um, a lot of people don't really realize how the brain processes sound. So, for example, say you lose hearing in one ear, you actually lose the ability to tell where a sound is coming from. So you can't just sort of stick your one ear closer to it because actually the one way that sound is processed in your brain is that there's sort of a race between the neurons firing on either side. And so whichever one gets to the sort of processing unit in your brain first, that's what side your brain decides the noise is on. But if you're missing that second one, it can't really kind of triangulate the sound for you. So if you're losing your hearing because you're constantly getting, you know, you're a traffic coordinator in Coruscant and cars are always honking on your left side and you've just completely lost your ability to hear, well, now navigating Coruscant might be kind of difficult and you might get bumped by a lot of people in traffic because there's no on your left now. Um, as has definitely saved me from getting hit by a cyclist a couple of times. Yeah, that's right. That sounds quite dangerous, actually, in terms of just crossing the street. Um, maybe that's a good reason to have all flying cars, as uh, pedestrians are, are constantly getting clocked because they can't hear anything coming. Yeah. Well, then, if you can't hear anything, there is, especially, too, like, you know, I'm sure people have been to a crowded bar or whatever. Sign language is probably going to be a way to go on Coruscant. Oh, uh, nice. I yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, and that's um, this might be a topic for another episode. But in the Expanse uh, series yes. of, of books and shows, there's um, you know the Belters spend a lot of time in um, their spacesuits where they can't talk to each other. So they developed a, a, an elaborate system of of gross motor sign language too. So it's easy to see while you're suited up. Um, so I kind of yes, I like that. So in the bars on Coruscant, um, a lot of the talk gets done with hands. Yeah, I think that that'd be super cool. There's plenty of times I can't hear a friend and wish we all knew sign language. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's interesting. We don't, um, uh, we don't get to know, for instance, neighborhoods in uh, Coruscant. Um, But uh, one of the interesting things about living in New York is that you notice that the, the, what appears to be a massive, gigantic thing from above is actually composed people do whatever they can to create little small communities amongst themselves mm-hmm. um and so so that's quite interesting um what else do you want to know gabby are, are, are you ready to do you feel like this world has been created i feel like there's... i mean i definitely feel like there's there's plenty more questions but it's sort of like you know running down a rabbit hole like if <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. if there's no water that you can see anywhere on the entire planet, 
what is their system for getting water? There's, you know, there doesn't seem to be necessarily like, I mean, maybe some of those skyscrapers are, you know, hydroponic farms because, again, if they don't really have flat space, how the hell are they feeding all of their people? Mm-hmm. But, you know, those are huge questions. So <laughs> I'm comfortable leaving them to sort of open and being like, ah, okay, Asimov's really can't hear now and, you know, potentially leaving. I've, I've wanted to see a world where I imagine uh, the future of Coruscant, if it's not already there, that it, it begins as a planet, a city grows over the entire surface, then they start digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and eventually the entire planet is gone. And it is all urban structure, uh, just floating in space. Now, the problem with that would be gravity disappears. Is that right, Matt? We we would lose all enormous well, no, mass. We'd, we'd well, we'd be replacing the stuff we're digging out with artificial structures, right? If it's um, all the way right. down. But those um, would be so hollow. There, so there will be so there will be some mass there, um, but yeah, presumably less um, as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's what Coruscant is. Um, Coruscant has a, uh, a, um, has a ground, right? It, it has a bottom level. Right. So um, what else, Gabby? What, are, what other aspects of the society would interest you? Hmm. Well, just like very, I, I am always interested in Whenever you do something that's like fantasy or sci-fi, especially sci-fi, you always have to consider what are the life support systems like, which sounds kind of weird. Um, and you think of it mostly in the spaceship context, but also in, in planets, you have to consider how are the people supporting themselves to live, which is why I mentioned, you know, the lack of an ocean and the fact that some of those towers have to be like hydroponic farms or whatever. Um, but they must have an impressive infrastructure also for air pollution and oxygen recycling because there isn't there are not that many trees or you know maybe something else is photosynthetic but they it does seem pretty pretty sparse and so Mm -hmm. they must they must have a pretty good um space epa i mean granted (laughs) there's not really much of an environment on coruscant but if you think about it you know old school old school cities before they really got in you know heavy on uh emissions they were insane. Well, yeah, that's right. The the, the amount of um, uh, nitrogen oxide and sulfur dioxide that's going to be here um, from all of those cars generating that noise pollution, yeah, is going to be staggering. That's right. So I, I, I could imagine, I mean, we'd have to crunch some numbers, but you could imagine a good chunk of the planet ends up being uh, filtration systems and recyclers to make sure the air is breathable. This all explains why Anakin is so cranky all the time. You know, if he'd grown up on that boo, I think he would have been more chill. Um, I think that in science fiction, the thing you would really be looking out for is where are the tensions, speaking of Anakin, uh, (laughs) in this society. And it would be fascinating to imagine... uh, a, uh, I was talking about neighborhoods. There could be a neighborhood where they've decided to crack down on noise pollution, to crack down on all pollution, and to create an idyllic, uh, as best as they can, an idyllic situation 
on Coruscant. And so, for instance, we build um, barriers. I remember growing up as a kid, uh, there were houses all, you know, houses were built right up to the highway, right? And then over the years, I don't know, they started building these uh, acoustic dampening walls. So now when you ride down the highway, mm -hmm. much of the time you feel like you're in a canyon uh, because there are walls on both sides and that's for noise. So then the, the, uh, this neighborhood would probably be, have a uh, wall, giant walls around it um, to try to keep out the noise. Now, the funny thing about that is I imagine that, for instance, the gate opening and when the gate opens, you hear all this noise coming. <laughs> Shut the door. <laughs> you just get a sonic boom every time. Oh, like, yeah, exactly. Well, so actually that, that does lead me to something interesting. So I said in the beginning, there's two paths that you can take with this. And one is the New Yorker brute force way. And the other one is how do you adapt? And so this one was actually very much of what you had the idea of, Phil, is maybe Coruscant is just like the world leader in soundproofing. That like, you know, if you're recording your album, you want to be in a yeah. Coruscantian uh, record studio. That's yeah, right. ironically, because that they have the single best, you know, noise dampening technology ever. Yeah. And so the that, Abbey Road I mean, studios on Coruscant are the place to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't want to walk across the street barefoot. Right, right. But, right. you know, thinking about it in, in, at least in the times that you're in buildings in Star Wars, you don't hear crazy amounts of outside traffic noise. Mm -hmm. So maybe there is a lot of very secret, you know, kind of hidden soundproofing to a lot of these spaces, basically just to keep the residents from going deaf or, you know, losing their minds because yeah. it's well, so crazy. That's loud. an interesting thought that I wonder if that that would if, if, if uh, the level of soundproofing technology would actually be the limiting factor for how big Coruscant can get. Like they can build as many air recyclers as you need and they yeah. can import ice asteroids. Um, but at a certain point, the noise is just too much and they're like, we can't have any more people living here. And then somebody invents a new sound dampening widget. And they're like, okay, let's dump another trillion people on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me, when I, when I first moved to New York, uh, I grew up in the DC suburbs of Maryland and um, came to New York and it was just, it took, I'm trying to think, it, it might have taken a year before I became uh, not overwhelmed by like sensory overload. I remember thinking, standing on a corner and, uh, you know, all of a sudden people would start walking because they sort of knew the rhythm of when the light was going to change or whatever. And I was just thinking, how do you, there was so much going on. I didn't even know where to focus. And I remember at one point I went to a library, like, and it was in some really, really, really old library doing some research. A small one and uh it would i remember a moment of just like oh it's silent somehow somehow yeah. they've made this dead silent this was like one of those old carnegie library kind of things and uh, i thought oh this is how people survive <laughs> they come into <laughs> these little cocoons you know quiet spaces yeah. yeah yeah very cool i love this idea that say now sound noise pollution we're talking the level of of um noise on Coruscant is so huge, I imagine, that we're not just talking noise, we're talking vibration. You know, uh, yeah. you think about it in, in New York, you can, uh, and in other cities, I'm sure you, sometimes you can feel the subway underneath, you know, the ground will shake a little bit when it goes by. And uh, Coruscant, I mean, who knows what's going on? So that it's not just noise dampening like foam or 
whatever material they're using, but everything has to be built on some kind of springs or something to, to keep the noise from um, overwhelming you. Uh, because even if you all went deaf, that, that wouldn't keep you from feeling all. In fact, if you were deaf, you would feel the vibrations even stronger, I imagine. You'd be very attuned. Oh, uh, well, that could be. Yeah. To it. Um, and so that I, might, yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I can only think of two, you know, God forbid when you leave Coruscant, if this is what you've gotten used to. So it's a little bit like, you know, how if you've been on a ship for a really long time and then you yeah. get back on solid land and you're like, yeah. whoa, this is super weird. If you're used to the world always shaking a little bit underneath your feet, being on solid ground is going to be weird. Personally, every time I go to my parents' house, which is in rural Maryland, I'm super wigged out by the fact that I can't hear anything. Yeah, It's quiet and I feel like I'm being hunted. Because yeah. it's like, it's, I'm so used to so now much noise. <laughs> well, I say, my daughters have the same kind of reaction. They can't, it's like if we go on vacation to someplace where it's quiet, they can't sleep because it's too quiet. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's when you, the way you hear noises as, as being like freakier, like, you know, the house settles. And for me, that's so much, you know, freakier than, you know, a car going past at three in the morning, hand on the the horn for a solid five minutes. I'm like, yeah, that's just New York. I sleep right through <laughs> yeah, it. But right. the house creaks and I'm like, oh my God, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, why are you being hunted? Because the connection oh. from, from <laughs> peaceful <laughs> quiet. <laughs> is that a well, Hunger Games like, thing? <laughs> no, it's, it's just the like... graduate you, student thing. <laughs> yeah, it actually... You know, no, but it, it, I think it just has to do with... I, I don't know. I just always think of like small animals in open spaces. Like every time, yeah, like, you yeah. know, a mouse no, in an open field is not necessarily where you want to be. And that's right. coming back from spending so much time in a city where, you know, you don't necessarily see super long distances. Yeah. Coming back to a place with sprawling fields that is super quiet makes me feel like, oh, God, I got to watch for a hawk or something. Like I'm going to just get carried off yeah. by a predator. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So the downside of live life on Coruscant, you're used to any place where you're not vibrating um besieged with noise yeah. and uh can't see more than 10 feet at a time um is going to be very unsettling mm -hmm. yeah and that's why people from coruscant are so obnoxious you know they're just so loud and they just they, they just don't get uh it reminds me one time i was i was visiting with a friend we were up at big bear lake i think it was called uh above los angeles up in the mountains you know kind of a uh, like a national park area and uh we were there was like a log cabin you could visit it was just out in this field absolute just dead silence except for the wind and maybe some birds and we're visiting this place and there's some signs oh this house was built and whatever and all of a sudden we hear music and a van comes up it is a minivan full of some giant family you know with like 50 kids or whatever jammed into this <laughs> like a clown car and the door, the van pulls up and stops. The doors open. Music is blasting. All these people pop out. They're screaming to each other. Oh, my God. And they're taking pictures. They're taking selfies. <laughs> and then they all get back into the van, close the door, and drive away in silence. Huh. I just thought those people are living in, like, another orbit. Another well, yeah, and, and the orbit that they're used to is a uh, Coruscant, where if they don't have noise, yeah, it freaks them out, and uh, exactly. they're half deaf, so they can't hear how loud they are. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That actually, you know, it's interesting, because New Yorkers are very loud. They do have, growing up, um, uh, we're at summer camp down in Maryland, um, 
I also grew up in Maryland there. Uh, New Yorkers, there were a lot of New Yorkers at our summer camp, and they are. They're very loud, and I had not thought that, about it being because of the traffic and just the urban Well, noise. some of it might just be cultural. Mm-hmm. I'm Puerto Rico, yeah. which is why I'm loud as hell. <laughs> so that's, that's it. It's just like me and my mom, like our, our routine is just we're super loud to each other instantly. When we're hanging out, the volume goes up by a yeah. lot. Yeah. So <laughs> This is interesting. I like this idea of the different perspectives, though, because of your upbringing. That, that is interesting story material as well like just like um, the the culture influence on noise or yeah well what happens that you you on culture yeah yeah, like you grow up in a world um a number of times on on what the if or on uh we've said oh okay well if the world was like that then this whole big thing would be part of the culture but now it's interesting to imagine actually saying, okay, leave that world, take that person out of that world and send them somewhere else. And what happens when they bring that uh, attitude to this other place, like a fish out of water kind of thing. So yeah, imagine if um, if Asimov was you know, used to very quiet, peaceful places and he's dropped down at Coruscant. It, it wouldn't just be the normal shock, but like an extreme shock of like, whoa. Um, when I went to, uh, I remember when, uh, when I was in college, I visited Mexico City uh, for the first time, which which is one of the densest cities in the world, densest population, and um, was amazed. I mean, one time I took a taxi somewhere, and it was this ride. We went clear across the city, and I just remember thinking, whoa, like the density never changed. Um, and unlike New York, because of earthquakes and stuff, uh it is not a very tall city. Most things are pretty low, but just very, very, very crowded. Like the number of people you would see anywhere was huge. And, uh, and, and they did not have, I don't know if it's changed, but they didn't have uh, like catalytic converters or the the pollution control and the cars wasn't the same. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the Mm -hmm. air, I actually thought the air smelled kind of, it was strong. It was clearly polluted, but there was almost like a sweet smell to it. (laughs) There's something like, "Mm." Yeah. It was in the air. Um, and then uh, coming back to New York, it was the only time I've had the experience of like, whoa, it is so quiet here. And there is so yeah. much. The streets just seem so wide and so empty. Um, so I've never forgot that uh, new perspective on things. Um, Gabby, what would you uh, do? Do you feel ready to write a story? in a world like this? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, probing now what it's like perhaps on the surface level when you're not flitting from Jedi Temple to uh, the Galactic Republic Senate. Yeah, I feel like I have a better idea of, you know, what it would be like on, on the surface. At the very least, we've got enough data from Asimov that I can, uh, I can work with that. Nice. And, and what's the, what, what might the story be? Just some, a general goal. Oh, uh, Christ. Um, yeah, that's a little harder. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be somebody's going to be a um, uh, an environmental activist. It's going to be the story of an environmental activist on Coruscant, right? They're going to yeah, write Silent Spring, and uh, but for uh, the uh, city that never see- sleeps. Yeah, that's right. Noisy Spring. Yeah. Noisy Spring. <laughs> Can't hear yourself sleep, Spring. Exactly. Or the ground is shaking, Spring. This is this would be a fun story. Uh, Coruscant is getting quieter, and 
this is the story of somebody who does not like that. What are you doing? Because they're used to the noise. <laughs> yeah. There's all this noise, this noise pollution, this uh, noise reduction technology that has been developed is a scourge on Coruscant. People come to Coruscant for the noise. There's plenty of silence in space. <laughs> like the inverse Lorax, but of uh, Coruscant. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, uh, and in fact, you could say on Coruscant, no one can hear you scream. Because that's terrifying. That's just, just terrifying, <laughs> Phil. This is a horror story now. It is a horror story. It's, or or a, like a detective murder mystery on Coruscant. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, that's good. You have your your uh, cyberpunk noir uh, smash up. That would be good. Or or like, uh, have you ever seen the movie The Conversation by Coppola? Uh, it's it's about a surveillance a guy who does audio surveillance. Uh, so I could imagine, yeah. Take that. That's a fun idea. A, a, a detective's a murder mystery inside a world where noise is a huge problem. And there's a recording, or they're trying to figure out the only way they could figure out is they have to find some audio evidence. Um, and uh, that would be the challenge. That's fun. Yeah. That's yeah, fun. that'd be good fun. Could we found some employment for Asmo? <laughs> Robot detective. Yes. Yes. Um, well, thank you. This this was uh, fantastic. I'm going to bring us back now. Would you dare call We're, it a fantastic voyage? That was pretty fantastic. It was a fantastic voyage. We're trying. I'm trying to wash Coruscant off of me now. Trying to get peaceful again. That's, that's going to take a couple of back showers for. Uh, <laughs> It smells like Coruscant, and <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Uh, uh, odor. <laughs> that for episode two. Uh, I have a. Uh, we do have a quick, um, quick letter coming in from the mailbag. And you can write us, by the way, at f uh, feedback at what the if. Dot org or just go to our website whattheif.org why did I say that org? feedback at whattheif.com and uh, um, you can also just go to whattheif.com you can leave us a note so uh, John um, had written in um, commenting on our episode uh, ancient Babylonian internet mm. yeah this country band is great I wanted to keep them going I like these guys uh, what? Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. On Coruscant, no one can hear your bluegrass. Um, John Kay writes, uh, he actually commented on SoundCloud. That's kind of fun. We don't get that that often. Uh, about our episode, Ancient Babylonian Internet. John says, for really interesting discussions of cuneiform and its development. Uh, so what you, you had mentioned in that episode, uh, which, by the way, whattheif.com, you can find this. Or on your podcast app that you're listening to right now scroll back you can find this episode ancient babylonian internet uh, matt you talked about the cuneiforms mm -hmm. is that right the the little almost particular like, kind of writing that the babylonians had yeah. yeah a little like poking into into clay mm -hmm. yeah uh, and uh, john says for really interesting discussions of cuneiform and its development you can look up irving finkel uh f-i-n-k-e-l on youtube are you familiar with irving finkel i am not no. He says, and I'm sure, so, so check that out. And uh, I'm sure someone has already mentioned this somewhere, but the first writing was Sumerian, not Babylonian. 
interesting. I think that's what you said, actually, in that. Um, at least in the Middle East, uh, the Chinese predate both of those by quite a bit. Oh, snap. Chinese thrown down. Uh, the Fall of Civilizations podcast slash YouTube channel. Oh, yes. I, you know, I, have, I have not listened to that in a long time. But yes, I thoroughly enjoyed that um, back when I first came out. They're great. Oh, oh, right on. Okay. So yeah, John Kay recommends the Fall of Civilizations pod, podcast or YouTube channel. Uh, has a wonderful episode about their history. So thank you, John. Thank you for commenting. Um, if you enjoyed this episode or you have suggestions or questions, worlds you'd like to explore, science fiction or fantasy worlds you've been to uh, through the magic of literature or media, um, let us know. We'll go there. We'll explore. You know, we'll, we'll ask questions about these, these other places. Do you have an idea for a world you want to create? Let us know. Feedback at what the if dot com um so uh matt anything you want to plug coming up nope not going anywhere no plugs we're on un matt unplugged gabby anything you want to plug similarly unplugged it's the end of the world there's only so much you can do you know <laughs> <laughs> when there's nothing left to plug yeah, the, right. the, yep. the, that is the true death of the universe <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. Um, on Friday, we'll be back with What the If, our regular show. And um, Matt, how would you describe the difference there? What's What the If? Uh, there we um, uh, create new, whole new realities by changing something about ours uh, rather than visiting a, uh, a, a fully fledged one. So if you want to find out what it's like if, you know, humans had no toes um, uh, or if uh, anvils had wings, we'll... Uh, Come join us. Yes, indeed. Did you say anvils or animals? Anvils. Anvils. Anvils, anvils had wings. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm writing that down. Prone to a lot more Acme type shenanigans is my immediate exactly. uh, thought. <laughs> <laughs> beep, beep. All right, everyone. Gabby and Matt, thank you very much. Thank you for listening out there. And we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>